0: This is episode 109 of the EdTech Takeout from Grantwood AA. My name is Mindy Carney, and today I am joined with my teammates Beth Swantz, Amber Bridge, and Gina Returning, I should say, returning host Gina Rogers, because she was with me last time, and uh, we are sitting around the table together because today we're bringing the main course. So if you remember, we've we've switched things up just a smidge. Our last episode was a Nugget and News episode. This one is more of a main course episode. And so it'll be just the main course uh, this time around. But we um, have some exciting stuff to bring to you today. We're gonna be talking about the tenets of transformative classrooms.
1: Yes, we don't want anyone to get too full on any one thing. So that's why we're splitting these meals up. Um, And so as Mindy said, we're talking about transformative classrooms today. And so Beth, you have been involved in many different iterations of this work through your past eight years here at the agency, eight, nine years at the agency. So can you tell us a little bit about transformative
2: classrooms and kind of the history of where we've been and where we are now? Absolutely. So um, about eight years ago, we started with a question, which was, can blended learning work in classrooms? And can it increase engagement? Um, We really focused on the the practices of blended and personalized learning, which had to do with station rotation, and playlists, and timers, and just kind of the the, um, moves you could do in a classroom that would would change the way your classroom was running. Through several different uh, kind of, we had speakers that came and led learning for classroom teachers, for administrators and instructional coaches, and over the years, one of the things that kept coming back to us was none of them exactly fit what we were seeing in our area classrooms. And through sort of conversations and lots of observations, um, we really wanted to move to a more personalized and student-centered approach. And instead of looking for another outside source, we decided to try to our own hand at building a tool which would um, better meet the needs of the classrooms that we were observing and the teachers we were talking to. So through um, a lot of trial and error and through a lot of conversations, uh, a team of four of us created a tool that we have called the transformative classrooms, the tenets of the transformative classrooms. And we settle on the word transformative as part of our title because the definition says causing or able to cause an important or lasting change in someone or something. One of the things that we noticed was classrooms that would put station rotation into play wouldn't see a lot of magic. Like, yeah, the kids were moving from station to station, but it didn't feel like the actual learning process change that much. And we really have been looking for a way to help teachers see what kinds of moves could happen to make some more lasting change. That's been our goal through this work. And we feel like the tool that we have worked to create um, addresses that in a more comprehensive way. So
1: this tool is comprised of three tenets, um, and you alluded to those tenets as you were talking through kind of our process and creating it. Um, and those tenants include collaborative learning community, engaging instruction, and self-directed learners. And so I think we're going to spend some time just like diving into each of these tenants a little bit and then also kind of thinking about how they work together to really create optimal learning environments for students that are student-centered. Beth, would you mind, diving in a little bit more deeply to the collaborative learning community and tell us a little bit about that tenant.
2: Absolutely. So the first tenant that we have in the transformative classrooms, as Gina said, is the collaborative learning community. We felt like we needed to begin with the way a classroom runs together. The, um, kind of the ebb and flow between the teacher and the students. So this tenant really focuses on helping learners to feel safe, to feel valued, and to feel recognized by focusing on building classroom relationships. One of the things that we have heard from teachers is, oh, these are all things I already do. And so um, we have tried to kind of line them out in a little bit more detail because what we know is when when a person feels like they belong or feel safe in an environment, they are much more able to learn. Their brain is in a more relaxed state, which all kinds of research says that's a better way to learn. So by focusing on some of the practices that build that kind of a community in a classroom, We we believe that this will help um, get everybody ready to learn, teachers and students alike. And so, after
1: we do the work that we need to do to get our learners ready to learn, by creating that collaborative learning community, we also have to think a little bit about how are we creating really engaging instructional opportunities for students. And Mindy, I think that you have some things to share with us, right, about- (laughs) Sure the engaging instruction tenet of transformative classrooms, do you?
0: I do, I do. So the engaging instruction um, tenet really is about how we design learning experiences for our students that are flexible, collaborative, and relevant. Um, And we really talk a lot about designing to the edges for our students. Um, Our classrooms in the past have been built for the average student, and we're really looking to... um, you know, provide opportunities for students who aren't average. We know no one is average. No one fits inside that little cookie cutter. Uh, and so really thinking about different learning opportunities for students that will engage them in the content in unique and interesting ways. And this can be around choice for students. It can be around uh, a really important thing that we've been talking about for years, which is uh, differentiation and thinking about How students can enter a task in different places in their learning, but still be successful and be able to talk with one another and collaborate with one another. Uh, And really as a teacher, kind of taking all of that feedback that we get from our students, not only academic feedback, but also about the learning experience itself to help us move our students forward and also our instruction forward as well.
1: And then finally, the thing that I think really makes transformative classrooms um, unique is its focus on creating self-directed learners. And so Amber, what can you tell us about self-directed learners and that tenant within transformative classrooms?
3: Absolutely. So as we think about a self-directed learner and we think about that move to that student-centered environment, it really asks you as a teacher to think about how you're engaging your student in the process of learning. So when we think about that self-directed learners, there's gonna be a lot of coaching that's going to need to happen from teachers to students to help to get them to pick up some of these skills that we have identified as practices within this tenant. When we think about those learners and the term self-directed, it's really about trying to get highly developed or highly invested learners that have that continuous mindset for improvement and within that those learners are going to be practicing reflection they're going to be practicing how to seek feedback from the other classmates to help them to move forward what kind of strategies do those teacher or do those students have in their own toolbox to help them to share out their thinking so that they can explain when they know something and when they don't know something and All of that kind of, I feel like, are the process of learning, right? That's how we know that where we're at and how we're going to move forward through goal setting.
1: So um, three huge components to learning, right? (laughs) I mean, we described them, you guys described them beautifully. They're so huge and so meaty, each one of them by themselves. Um, And so how do these three major components or these three major tenants interface with one another? And so how does collaborative learning community and engaging instruction and then students as self-directed learners, how do those interface with one another?
0: Well, I think, um, you know, like Beth had mentioned when she was talking about collaborative learning community, is that students have to feel safe, valued and recognized for the learning to happen. Um, And so to me, it's really about the finding those practices that teachers do that have a lot of leverage in the classroom and can be built and support other aspects of the classroom. So we often talk about how collaborative learning community is kind of the foundational things you have to have in your classroom for all of that magic to happen. Um, And so when we think about those things, we wanna also think about the practices and how they support one another to move students to become more self-directed learners. So when we look at uh, one of the practices, which is student collaboration and discourse, we then, uh, as we were kind of talking about it, looked through the rest of the practices within that tenants document and started thinking what types of things have to be in place for student discourse and collaboration to happen in the classroom. And so we identified uh, a practice within the collaborative learning community, which is,
3: Well, for the collaborative learning community one, that's when teachers provide opportunity, no, teachers empower (laughs) students (laughs) with tools and strategies for building relationships so that the classroom climate fosters positive, productive, and interdependent student relationships. And as we think about that, piece of the collaborative learning community that connects so strongly with the opportunity for students to engage in conversations and academic discourse.
2: One of the things that we say over and over is the person doing the talking is the person doing the learning. And when we walk into a classroom, um, it's it's just a cause to pause. If, If you truly believe the person doing the talking is doing the learning, and think about that as you walk into a classroom. More and more, we see the teacher as the one doing a lot of the talk, the lift of the talking. Um, and so that we feel like this one tenet about collaboration and discourse is really, um, could be the, a foundational focus for an entire year. Like, how do I build collaboration and discourse into my classroom it does not happen in the first day it doesn't happen in the first week or the first month you have to build up to it so that's how we see each of these tenets are none of these are separate they are all so intertwined and are supported by each other exactly supported by each other
3: yeah, because once they have that positive relationship going on, the teacher also needs to be able to provide the time, tool, and instruction around strategies to support their thinking, right? Because students who are equipped with those strategies can share and clarify their thinking more independently as they get the opportunities to practice those, right? And it's you might say, hey, we're just going to put two kids in a group together and we're going to let them talk. Are they? Is it going to be productive? Is it going to be effective? We need to support those. And a lot of students might have anxiety around that too.
2: I think the other thing that we have heard from teachers is that conversation in classrooms is different pre-COVID than it is now in a post-COVID world. So it feels more and more like, There is a need for some very specific practice, some specific modeling, some specific processes that provide students with more of a structure for how do I talk about an academic question in the classroom.
1: So you are speaking my love language here by saying specific structures, specific practices, I think a lot of times we spend time talking in generalities and we need to really get down to the practice level and what does that actually look like in the classroom? I know that that's the question that we hear over and over and over again from teachers is like, okay, yeah, this sounds great. Now, what does it look like in my classroom? I've tried to have my kids work together in discussion groups and it usually devolves into them talking about what they're gonna wear to homecoming. And so what do I need to do to make this a successful experience within my classroom?
0: So one of the things that we've talked about with teachers as they start planning is to think about a skill in three different phases. One of them is the initial phase. And um, after the initial comes developing and finally is the advanced. So, I mean, we've heard about this before, kind of backwards by design. We think about what the goal is for our students and then what are the steps we have to take to get there. So if we were to first think about students having collaboration and discourse, one of the One of the things we might want to think about doing first is talk and find some um, stems. So we talk a little bit about accountable talk and we'll link this in the show notes so that you have access to all of these. But having sentence stems or frames for students to use um, and are right there in front of them so that they can have conversations with one another with scaffolds in place. And so we've seen teachers who are taping these sentence stems right onto desks or um, Gina has made this really great bookmark that has um, stems put on it so that students can have those in their hands so that when they are talking, they're having academic talk, not talk about what they're wearing for homecoming. So that might be something to think about. Something else within that initial phase might be that you assign a speaker to start with one of those specific questions and allowing students to kind of plan what they're going to say before we force them into a conversation with a partner when they haven't been given any think time to begin with.
3: Which kind of leads us into that developing stage within there of really allowing kids to prepare for a discussion. If you want them to have good discussions, we should provide them the opportunity to prepare their own thoughts for the discussion. A lot of kids can't just pop on the spot and start talking. They're not quite to that comfort level yet. And so that preparation can be key in helping students to really develop that skill and think through it and allow that, their brain to catch up. Another idea within that that I really like is the idea of engaging them in the larger group conversation. So you're inviting students to the conversation and encouraging them to keep a tally when a talk move is being used by others in the group. So they're not only thinking about when they're going to be participating, but also they're listening for those talk moves to bubble up from
2: their classmates. So at the advanced level, we're really thinking like Mindy said, if you start with where we the advance is where we want to end and that goal is for students to be able to um, use these talk moves or use other kinds of structured discussion without the teacher prompting Um, that happens through lots of modeling and we have some suggestions for different ways that you can model those We really love the Project Zero thinking strategies. Project Zero is a site created by Harvard and it has fantastic um, discussion kinds of protocols that you can use and, and using those with students modeling and putting them into practice. Another one that we really like is um, uh, it's called One, Two, Four, All. It's created by Liberating Structures. And this is going to be linked in the show notes as well. And the, one of the reasons that I really like this one is it starts out with one. You give your students time for themselves to think on their own and kind of get the thinking started, give them a pause. Then they partner with somebody and they talk about, um, have a discussion with just two people. Then you bring it into a foursome, so that that discussion continues with four. And finally, you come back to the whole group so that you are hearing lots of different voices around whatever the discussion topic was. Each of those um, things that we've suggested are also included in the Accountable Talk, um, one pager that is gonna be in the show notes, also included in that is some suggestions specific for math and specific for science. So if you are content, uh, a con- what, some content specific suggestions, those are included. One of the things we didn't mention is our goal as we were creating this transformative classrooms was to really create a content agnostic document. So we were looking for the structures of learning, not things that are specific to any content area. So we are including suggestions and ideas that are specific to content.
3: That have come from our content consultants at Grantwood AA that are also on the transformative classroom team.
1: So this was just kind of a quick walkthrough of one of the major practices within the transformative classrooms um, tool, which was really focusing around collaboration and discourse with students and getting students talking and students um, engaging in the thinking. Um, there are 16, which is, sounds like a lot, but it's not as many as one might think. So 16 teacher practices um, and related classroom outcomes on the transformative classrooms tool. Um, we will continue this conversation in future episodes of the EdTech Takeout And so um, if you enjoyed this conversation, please continue to listen in. Um, And we'll spend some time coming up in January exploring this a little bit more.
0: So we hope you walked away with a few new ideas today. We'd love to hear how you are getting your students talking and collaborating in your classroom. You can take us on Twitter at dlgwaa or use the hashtag EdTechTakeOut to share your ideas with us. We really look forward to hearing from you. So until next time.
3: This has been the EdTech Takeout. We hope it hit the spot.